Carolina podcast. Diving, diving deep. Diving deep into all things Texas, both on and off the field. Here's Sean Pendergast and Pro Football Hall of Famer, the General, Sean McClain. Welcome, welcome to Utopia. All right, this is a good segue, John, actually, into the mailbag, which, as you can imagine, a lot of Texans. We've got a couple Astro questions in there as well. But let's, uh, let's hit this here, some mailbag questions. Mailbag at gmail.com. Also, a quick reminder, if you're just finding the podcast, you're listening now, hit the subscribe button. We'll remind you again, but we always love to remind people, hit the subscribe button. The Odyssey app is a great place to go find the podcast. It's uh, our producer, James Jackson, does a great job of – getting it out there in a timely fashion in very consumable chunks. If you want to listen to the whole thing, it's available as the whole thing. If you just want the baseball, you got that. If you just want the football, you got it that way as well. So subscribe. That's how you get it all sent to your phone or whatever device it is that you listen to the podcast. Um, speaking of which, John, speaking of, we'll stick with, stick with CJ Stroud related questions. This is actually one I pulled off the 610 text page today, the sports radio 610 text page. I thought this would be a good one to bounce off of you. It says, Hey guys, I know this is kind of a dangerous question, but since you guys have been at training camp and practice for years, how did Deshaun Watson's growing pains his rookie year in camp look in comparison to C.J. Stroud's growing pains? John, how much do you remember about Deshaun Watson at the Greenbrier his rookie year and how he looked compared to how C.J. looks so far? Oh, boy, I hate to cop out on this. I can't. I don't have a clue about how Deshaun Watson did. We knew he was going to be the backup. Tom Savage was the starter. He was working with the twos and uh, where Stroud is rotating with Davis Mills with the ones. Watson had, um, he had a little talent around him, mainly at DeAndre Hopkins and uh, he had some advantages, but as far as the way he actually threw the ball and everything, I remember after that training camp, like Deshaun Watson, yeah, okay, it's going to take a while. He didn't blow me away. Yeah, I, I just remember him, John, looking significantly better than Tom Savage. Like he, you know, that that's what jumped out at me. You're right. No, Deshaun had his struggles. And that's what that's, that's what if this texter is listening to this podcast, my guess is there's probably a lot of other people that wonder that as well. The thing I remember about Deshaun at the Greenbrier was okay, he seems to do a lot of things that he was criticized for coming in. He was the 12th pick in his draft, not the second pick like CJ. I mean, there were teams that passed on Deshaun Watson, 11 of them. Um, there were questions about his overall arm strength and his ability to drill the ball, you know, to the far hash, you know, outside the numbers. And that was very evident to me right away. Like, okay, they missed on this. Like he's clearly got enough arm strength to function in accuracy to function in the NFL. I just remember him being so significantly more um, just, <laughs> uh, uh, just, Talented. Well, ta ta more talented than Savage, but I just got way more excited about watching when Deshaun got in there. Savage, like, I mean, Davis Mills is, is a better quarterback than Tom Savage was. You know what I mean? Like, I just remember watching Savage go, I cannot believe that this guy is going to start week one for my NFL team. Um, so that that's really, I, that's what I remember about Deshaun is the Delta, but I'm with you. Like, yeah, Deshaun was going to be a work in progress whenever they got him in there. So that's kind of what I remember as well. Um, all right, another one. This is from Liam, John. Chicken or the egg? Is the early success of the Texans secondary at camp because they're good or because the Texans receivers stink? Well, first of all, we don't have any idea about that because of the pass rush. Pass rush, if it's bad, doesn't matter who your DBs are, they're going to struggle. Right now, Derek Stingley looks really good. Uh, Steven Nelson looks good, as he should, going into his ninth season. 
and we know the safe, who the safeties are. Those four starting positions, and there'll be five really. Tavier Thomas should be the slot corner, considering how well he played last year. Those positions are set, barring injuries. We can't say that in other groupings, but uh, I think the secondary is good. I think Will Anderson. Junior will really help the pass rush. And if Jonathan Kennard can stay healthy in the last year of his contract, he can help the pass rush. That means the defense overall should be better. The secondary should be better. But they got injuries at tight ends, receivers blocking the ball, dropping the ball. And we know wide receiver is going to be a top priority next year. So it's no wonder they're not playing as well as the defense is playing. Yeah, I would be more concerned if this group of receivers was actually getting – super open and burning guys deep all the time. I would be more worried about that happening than I am excited that it's not because I just need to, these joint practices are going to be huge for evaluating stuff like this, John, you know, watching them go against Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle and some guys that aren't Noah Brown, you know, uh, like Noah Brown's their number one, feels like he's been their number one wide receiver in camp so far. He was like a number four guy on the Cowboys last year. Um, so those joint practices are going to be really, really big. I do think this secondary is going to be a real strength of this team, though. I, I know it's hard to judge with, you know, you know, you're not allowed to sack the quarterback and how much of it is pass rush and, and guys are taking days off and some guys are hurt. Your guy Petrie is all over the place right now, John. I think he's he's a guy I've said all along this offseason. If I had to pick one of the young guys who goes from, you know, here, and I'm putting my hand in front of my face to here, my hand's above my head now if you're not watching on video, you know, like Pro Bowl level. I think Petrie, if I had to pick a second-year guy to make the Pro Bowl off of this team, it's Jalen Petrie. And about the receivers, yeah. uh, in the second week of practice, Nico Collins is making some big plays like he did last year. And Tank Dell has looked really good. I'm writing a column on Tank. And uh, and Noah Brown, he's he's looked good throughout the whole offseason program. But, you know, they need, uh, they need other guys to step up. Yeah, they need game breakers. It's not going to happen this year. Um, Alex is in London, John, loyal listener overseas. We love that. Um, he says, Alex in London again. The recent O-line extensions are all about the same length, three years and line up with Stroud's rookie deal. We all know rookie deals are the time to spend, spend, spend on other positions. Seems that Casario has made his decision how that cap space should be spent, meaning on the O-line. Alex's question is, in your opinion, is O-line more important for the development of a rookie quarterback, or is it more important to invest in great skill position, guys? John, we know the direction the Texans have gone. Do you feel like O-line versus skill guys, if you're going to use resources, that the Texans are doing this the right way? Well, if you have good wide receivers and tight ends and you can't block pass protect, you're in trouble because you're not going to get to throw the ball. Plus, offensive line helps the running game. Running game takes pressure off of everybody, including the wide receivers and tight ends. So I like it. I watched this happen once before, uh, starting in 1982. Lad Hersey, the general manager, picked Mike Munchak first round. Next year, Bruce Matthews first round. They're both in the Hall of Fame. Next year, Dean Steinkuhler first round. And uh, they the idea was to build a great offensive line for running back Earl Campbell, who, and uh, it worked for a couple of years, and then Earl hurt his knee, and they traded him to New Orleans. And uh, and when a quarterback has time to throw, if he's a good quarterback, he's going to make wide receivers. Yeah, it's funny. I asked that very question of Seth, and Seth actually chose the skill guys. And I think I'm, I'm probably going to butcher his explanation, but he does feel like that 
in this particular offense, you know, because the Texans have gone balls to the wall on linemen. It's not just as though they, you know, they prioritize it and put together a bunch of guys who just aren't going to make mistakes. Like they've spent at the top of the market at these positions, both in draft capital and in salary. And I feel like Seth's opinion is something along the lines of if you got five average guys that are working at least in synchronicity with each other as an O-line, that's probably good enough. Whereas the, you know, the elite skill guys are harder to find than it is just to find, you know, offensive linemen that can get the job done. He, I was a little surprised at that answer, but he said skill guys when I asked him that. Well, they've had five mediocre offensive linemen for a while now and it had marked. I didn't say mediocre. I said average. I average. said average. Yeah. Average yeah. means mediocre. No, it doesn't. Average means average. Mediocre is below average. John, you're in the yeah. worst business. What are you talking about? Mediocre means 50%. This Anything is you. below 50%. You. Mediocre. You're like, they, you're they've like, invested like in Tonsil and they've invested a lot of picks yeah. in uh, uh, Nick Martin. Right. Uh, Xavier Sufilo. And whether it's coaching or the player or whatever, it just hasn't worked the way they want it. And I suspect that next year is when they'll invest in the wide, a really good wide receiver, yeah. either in the first round with a Browns pick or somebody in free agency or a trade. All right, John. Next one. This is from Jesse. Are you guys team Peyton or team Rogers? <laughs> Which are you, John? Are you team Sean Payton trashing Nathaniel Hackett? Or are you team Rogers coming back and trashing Sean Payton? I am team Rogers because I think Sean Payton, what he did was totally classless uncalled for and all this hogwash that he did it because he's brilliant. He was taking the pressure off of Russell Wilson. Uh, no, he's put more pressure on himself to win and for Wilson to play well. I just think it was really stupid thing for him to do. And I'm guessing he regrets doing it because he's just been uh, 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 eviscerated oh, yeah. for those comments. Um, he was accurate, though. That was a pretty badly coached team last yeah, year. Yeah, it was. <laughs> <laughs> and he, but he also talking about method to his madness. He ripped his general manager and his team president, who's part of the owner. Yeah, what, what method was that? I, John, I think it's gonna. I, I let me be clear. I think Peyton's gonna fail miserably in Denver. I, I, I do. I don't think it's gonna work out. I think this is a cash grab. I think there's a better chance that Russell Wilson is just a shell shocked aging player than that he's some sort of reclamation project. And I think Peyton is a guy whose personality, I would imagine that he's going to wear out his welcome there. And the the thing is, these owners that bought the Broncos, to your point earlier about Steve Cohen, like to eject from this Sean Payton head coaching contract, if it ain't working out, Walmart people, here you go. Here's a check. Let's go find the next guy. Um, I mean, the harder part is ejecting from Russell Wilson because that salary directly impacts your ability to build a roster. Peyton's a coach. There's no salary cap on coaches. You can eject from him and he can go sit on a beach somewhere or go back to Fox and hang out with his buddy Colin Cowherd every day. Like um, so many coaches, Sean, they're great when they have great quarterbacks. Yep. And Drew Brees is a Hall of Fame quarterback. Yep, no doubt. Russell Wilson is too, but just not the Broncos edition of him. Yeah. <laughs> is he a Hall of Famer, John, the Seattle version of Russell Wilson? Yeah, I'm, guess, I'm guessing he is. With quarterbacks, we want it to be no-brainers. Yeah. But he's been to two Super Bowls. He's been a great player. Yeah. Um, I don't think anybody's going to remember what happens at the end of his career because a lot of guys change oh. change teams and don't play well. Yeah. But, boy, that'd be a bad way for him to go out if he was terrible 
a bad to terrible for three years in a row. So. I think I think he's a Hall of Famer, John. But if you and your your colleagues that choose these things could make him sit for a really, really, really long time before you put him in, that would be great. Yeah, I don't see him being a first ballot. No I don't brainer. either. All kidding aside, I don't either. Um, with Russell Wills, really good player though. Um, Jesse also asked, "What do you think the Colts can get for Jonathan Taylor?" I got my take on that. Uh, they get the, years uh, the team would get the same headache as they have. He wants a new contract. No, no, no. He's but got- what, what? No, what can the Colts get in a trade? What do you think that the Colts can get back if they were to trade Taylor? What do you think the Colts would be able to well, get? Well, I don't think Taylor? they're going to trade him because another team would have the same problem. He wants sixteen million a year. Supposedly, so teams are interested, John. I'm this- sure they're checking on him. Yeah, there's one saying, "Well." The- Watch the Chiefs. Chiefs win the Super Bowl with seventh round picks. Yeah, I'm guessing he might get a fourth round draft choice and and uh, might be conditional. But boy, it's not going to be anywhere near what it would have been two years ago when he rushed for over 1,800 yards and scored 20 <laughs> touchdowns. Can you imagine if they traded him after that season, John? <laughs> Can you imagine? Like, no, we know we see what's coming down the pipe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we got a holdout and a bunch of, you know, and a bunch of fights with him. We're just going to trade him at his apex. You're right. They Like the back then, before he was injured last year, they probably would have gotten like a first and a third for him with, you know, still a couple years on his rookie contract left. This running back thing is going to be fascinating to watch play out over it the is. Next couple years. You know, another thing about him, he, they say he told them he had a back injury. He says, I don't have a back injury. First thing, if a team's interested in trading, they're going to say, what about that back injury? Yeah, we know we're scared off that back injury. So I don't know. Two reporters who are very good who cover that team both reported back injury, which means somebody like Ursi told him, and then he was quick to shoot it down. Whether he told him that or not, you don't want a guy on the uh, trade market who is complaining of a back problem. No, no. Well, you put him out there, but <laughs> you, you can put him on the market, but you're not going to get many phone calls about him for sure. This is one of the worst jobs of handling an unhappy player I've ever oh, seen. Ever. Usually you kill him with kindness or you keep your mouth shut. They've not done a good job. No, they've not. John, our guy Joe Q, quick one here from him. He says, trade market for Davis Mills in Cincinnati? Hmm? Hmm? Um, I'm, I'm, I'm sure that's in reference to Joe Burrow leaving practice last week with a calf injury. I, I'm not going to lie, John. When I saw Joe Burrow get carted off the field, that was the first thing I thought of, too. Like any of these quarterback injuries, I'm putting myself in Nick Casario's shoes and wondering what can I get for Davis Mills. I'm sure they're thinking about that. I'm sure they're thinking about uh, when you get into the season before the trade deadline, teams are going to lose their starting quarterback. And if you go back and watch certain games of Mills' career, He's had some really good games, had some really bad ones. Last year he had terrible, terrible coaching. And uh, I think they could get a mid-round pick for him. Yeah, I think so too. I and I think it depends on the team. Like if it, you know, if it's um if it's a team where things are fairly fortified and built up around him, you know, where they feel like he just needs to game manage. Cause he's got, I mean, he's got decent arm talent. I so I'm with you on that. Um, so we'll see what happens. Chris is in the ATL. Last one, John. Um, the Astros trading for Verlander doesn't make them the team to beat, but it makes them a lot better. This is Chris saying that. That being said, they don't make they didn't make a move for another bat. If we want to put the best lineup out there for the stretch, should we see more of Dubon in the outfield? After all, there was a time. Oh God, I remember that now. There was a time when he was Verlander's quote personal center fielder. Remember that last year, John? Yeah. Why in the world would they? 
put Dubon in center field. Because he, <clears> he, he would mow guys down going out. first to third is what Dusty said last year. He keeps guys from going first to third. That was Dusty's excuse. Yeah, And also, if you want your best lineup out there, Maldonado's not on the field. No, I, I could see their best lineup. And, and look, and that's the – I'm going to get to their best lineup. But the, the only downside to the Verlander trade is this is definitely at least one more game every week that Maldonado is going to be the starting catcher. Like you those- wonder what, what could happen if Diaz he – he, you know, he catches France. He catches Hunter Brown. Yep. They both won. Yep. If, he, if, if, if Molly was hurt. Now, how much worse is Frommer going to do than he'd been pitching before the no-hitter? Yeah, Maldonado was behind the plate for him when his ERA was a 7 for the last month also. Like, I I don't know. I'm not a pitcher, so I can't really say, like, that something's overrated or underrated. I just know, like, Maldonado's got the greatest job in sports because when these guys go out and throw no-hitters, he gets all these flowers afterwards about how Maldi called a great game. And when they get shelled after three and a third innings and they get chased into the locker room after giving up eight runs, nobody says boo about Maldi. It's the greatest job in the world. Uh, He turns 37 this month, the last year of his contract. I think we're going to see Yanner Diaz as a regular catcher next year. Well, I think trading Corey Lee for Graveman was that 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 tell. uh, I mean, they even said that, that Yanner's – I forget if it was Dana Brown or Dusty. One of them said that. Uh, some of that trade was, you know, trading Corey Lee specifically is about Yiner. Uh, their best lineup, John, is probably Altuve, Pena, Jordan. Although they've had Tucker in the three lately. I can go Tucker three, Jordan five. I can go either way on that. As long as the that's where they're slotted. Put Bregman in between the two of them, whatever order that is. And then you're you're starting to get something out of the bottom of the lineup. Abreu's, you know, woken up a little bit. Chaz was one of the best players in baseball in the month of July. And when Yiner's when Yiner's in there, John, that's a pretty sporty one through eight. Man, if they ever get Brantley back to do the left field DH platoon with your with uh, Jordan Alvarez, those are those are nine formidable hitters from top to bottom in that lineup. If they get Brantley back, and Brantley doesn't need to be all star, Brantley. Brantley's just like a two eighty hitter who kind of keeps the train moving from the six or seven hole wherever they put him in the lineup. Don't put him in the two hole. Leave Pena there. Um, that's a pretty stacked lineup you head into the postseason with, providing everybody stays healthy. Do you think you know if they get those injury bugs out of the way early? They've had yeah. more than most teams. And uh and hopefully they'll stay healthy. And I think they stay healthy. If they stay healthy, they're certainly capable of being a first team since the Yankees in 2099, 2000, 2001 to repeat as champions. I hope you're right. I hope you're right about that, John McClain. All right. Um so let's give the people, John, one more time. If people were listening earlier and they didn't catch where to go, if they want to meet us and come hang out and talk football, talk Houston sports with us and eat some great food and drink some delicious wine live on August the 24th, where can they go? We're going to the Houstonian. We're going to have a blast. Utopia football podcast goes on the road. Sean and I have tweeted about it. I'll tweet some more about it today. You can go on Houstonian.com. Go down there uh, and find events, click on it, and it'll give you all the information. There you go. It doesn't cost a dime to go look and check it out and think about it. This is something you want to go do. So go so go check it out, at least there at Houstonian.com. And then if it sounds like something, looks like something you want to go do, buy a ticket, go hang out. It's great. It's a great way to spend a Thursday night with us as football season will be upon. Hell, we'll be two days away from the college season starting at that point, John. The college Can't season, wait. August 26th. 
Are you going to miss scouting quarterbacks this year like I did last year, John? Like, I, you know, I, that was a big reason for watching college football last year for me was watching all the quarterbacks. I'm going to, not going to lie, I'm going to kind of miss that this year. I'm going to be looking at wide receivers. Mm -hmm. Seems like every year they're putting out really good wide receivers. Texans have first cycle program picks. Yep. I think that's going to be their priority position. Maybe Jonathan Bernard leaves. Uh, is a free agent. Jerry Hughes retires. He's going to be another age rusher. And uh, so I'll be watching pass rushers and watch. There you go. There's always something. And you'll be watching the Baylor Bears. Absolutely. Yep, Sick them. Sick them.